0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to season three of the blueprint podcast. It's been a while since we dropped season two, but I'm here to let you know that at long last season three is about to be released. We've got 12 episodes and perhaps even some bonus content coming your way. All set for release on July 12th of 2022, coinciding with Sansfire in Washington, D.C., which is one of our larger Sans events of the year. As a bonus and a note to anyone that's going to be attending Sansfire, we're going to be doing a live panel discussion with some of my favorite folks on Wednesday night of the conference. So if you're interested in seeing that, keep your eyes out for details once you arrive. It's going to be our first live blueprint recording, and I'm incredibly excited to get some audience participation and live questions from anyone that can attend. It should be a super fun night. Without any further waiting, let's jump into this preseason episode of Blueprint. Hello, everyone. A quick shout out and a welcome to all of our new listeners. If this is the first time you've heard the podcast, we are glad you're with us. And for everyone that's been with us through season one and two already, thank you so much for continuing to listen and to be here with us. I truly appreciate all the encouragement and support the podcast has received from you all so far. It's been overwhelming and much more than I expected. And I look forward to keeping it going through season three and beyond. What I'd like to do in this preseason episode is two things. One, tell you about some of the awesome stuff coming up in the upcoming season. And two, answer some listener questions in mailbag format as a lead-in to kicking off season three. While at the time I'm recording this, we still have a few interviews to go. I'm incredibly excited for everyone to hear some of the fun and super informative conversations we've already had with our guests for this season. To give you a quick sneak peek of what's coming up, let me tell you about some of our upcoming episodes that I'm sure you're going to want to catch. First, I'd like to mention that on the season, I try to reach out for guests that are experts on topics we haven't yet covered in this podcast. So in season three, you're definitely going to hear a lot of new things. One of the episodes I'm really excited about is with SANS instructor Dean Parsons, who's an expert in ICS security. In this episode, we talk about ICS and OT security and cyber defense and how it's different from typical IT defense and what type of threat modeling you have to do and preparations you have to make to defend highly critical infrastructure, which is potentially one of the most important things we can be doing in 2022. We also have James Rowley from Yahoo speaking to us about insider threat detection. A lot of us might not pay a lot of attention to insider threats. It's a difficult topic. How do we protect ourselves from people who are supposed to have access to our sensitive data? Well, in that episode, James gives us an awesome walkthrough of the insider threat kill chain and how as a defender, you have to think differently about these types of threats and what you can still do to ensure you aren't met with any unlucky surprises. Finally, one more I'd like to mention is the return of Mark Marzinski with his coworker, Carissa Koopmans. In this episode, we talk all about Microsoft's new security operations guide and Azure AD logs in depth. We talk about what you need to log to detect cloud-based attacks, and the pre-made templates Carissa and Mark's team have been working on to make spotting anomalies in your data fast, easy, and standardized. There's some incredible and highly relevant advice from the folks over at Microsoft, as always. I'd like to thank all of our guests for being on the podcast this season. The volunteering of your very, very important time is what makes spreading this kind of important information possible. Okay, so on to our mailbag section. Throughout the two years this podcast has been out there, Blueprint has quickly caught on as a Cyber Defender favorite, and I can't tell you how many times I've received unsolicited messages online or from students in the class about how much they're enjoying the podcast and can't wait to hear more. They've also had quite a few questions along the way. So this season, I put out an open call for questions before season three came out so that I could do a quick Q&A mailbag episode as a precursor to the official release. So here we are, time to answer some of those questions. So without further delay, let's dive in. Question one I got on LinkedIn from listener Bruno Olivier. What do you think about the current XDR trend and whether traditional sim, as we know, is dead and doesn't make sense anymore? Great question, Bruno. This is something that a lot of people have been writing a lot about. I know Anton Chevakin, who was one of our previous guests on this podcast, is constantly being given this question. My take on this is that XDR was a natural progression of EDR. Anytime you give someone a really good solution that's only partial scope in terms of EDR, that would be endpoints, people are gonna naturally say, well, can I have that awesome of a level of coverage for a bigger scope? So of course we were gonna naturally end with XDR, which is bringing in more additional data from other platforms beyond the endpoint like EDR would and putting it all in one convenient place. Well, hmm, taking data from a bunch of different sources and then putting it all in one place. Yeah, that sounds a lot like traditional SIM, right? That's something we've been doing for years. So how is XDR different than the solution we already have that takes in data from a bunch of different sources like cloud and endpoints and your network data and puts it all in a SIM platform? Well, uh, SIMs have been used for a long time largely with things like compliance and log management and just recording what happened in mind and they're really really good at that that's exactly what they excel at and then there's the analytics portion of looking at all of those logs and trying to do correlation across different data sources and pick up where something bad may or may not have happened a lot of organizations have had really well-tuned sim deployments for years that are working really really well so what does xdr bring to the table beyond that Well, EDR and then naturally XDR expanding on that was a solution in my mind, partially to the problem of having too much data I can tell you from my experience working in a SOC that when you are trying to collect endpoint data from hundreds of thousands of endpoints potentially, the price tag associated with some of that can be really, really overwhelming and expensive. And so depending on how your pricing model is done for your SIM, that may be something just right from the get-go you cannot afford to do. So what do you do? Well, you start recording less, right? But that's not something you necessarily want to do with security, intentionally blinding yourself for monetary reasons. So EDR came along and then XDR beyond it and said, you know what, we're gonna make it possible for you to handle this data. And a lot of them charge in different ways, like per device that's being monitored, regardless of the volume and and things like that. So it made it more manageable to just bring in this massive amount of data. And make no mistake, the amount of data per device has been going up as well. Microsoft is adding additional security logging and all these tools that we have are producing more and more audit logs and sign-in logs and data than we've ever had. So even individual devices are getting to higher volumes. So we needed a solution that can make that manageable in a budget sort of sense, but that alone is not enough to justify the existence of a totally separate tool and category. XDR is something that was made from the start to do advanced analytics and correlate uh, activity across multiple devices, multiple platforms and different data types from the get go. SIM was something that was designed from the get-go to do mainly log analysis, and then the analytics part, I feel like kind of came later, and they work really well now, but maybe not as well as a platform that was intentionally designed from the ground up to do it. Do we need both of these tools? In my opinion, most organizations probably will want to if they can afford to do so. Why? Sim is going to be recording all of the logs and covering your compliance angles and things like that. And I teach classes on sim. I teach threat hunting with sims. And I can tell you, you can do an outstanding job with a sim catching anything you need to catch. But that is reliant upon your team having the knowledge and the skill with that tool to put those rules in place and develop those correlation analytics to make sure that that happens. It's my opinion. I don't have any kind of data to back this up. But I feel like EDR and XDR platforms, considering how they come out of the box, kind of pre-designed to find a lot of the advanced attacks from today, are going to make it a little bit easier for the average team to install them, get the data they need, the security-relevant data looking for advanced attacks, not just doing general log collection, but that focused data you need to be successful as a defender. And then pull that in and turn it into world class detections. A lot of these things have other kind of bits that make them better, like SOAR integrations for automation and AI and machine learning. I know the magic box, right? But truly, there is some stuff built in there that is getting really good at looking for signs of attacks. And it's also cloud native, and it understands all the data. And it's pure existence is all revolving around get the right information you need to find an attack and present it to defenders in a way that allows them to act sim in my mind is a little bit different given its history and where it came from and it can do a lot of the same things but maybe not as well just because it hasn't been designed from the ground up to do those things now Notice I'm not saying you don't need a SIM, XDR completely replaces it. SIM still does some stuff that XDR probably doesn't do as well, like recording all of your logs for a long period of time and making them searchable, right? Uh, XDR is more about, we're gonna present to you the activity and what happened versus a ongoing history of logs and everything else. So depending on the tools you have, that may be a fair or a mischaracterization. Tools vary fairly significantly, and XDR is still a category that's very much still being defined. So that's my take on it. I think many organizations are ultimately going to need both. In the longer term future, yeah, we may see these two tools merge. We'll see where it takes us. But that's my take on that. Thanks for the question, Bruno. Our next question is from Cheerio on Twitter. Uh, As a SOC slash cyber defense professional, what would you like to see from the CTI, Hunt, Red, and Purple teams in support of the SOC and cyber defense activities? Outstanding question and a multi-part one. So let me touch a little bit on all of those individual groups. From a group doing cyber threat intelligence, the goal, I believe, is to give a cyber defense team tactical and strategic advantage over your adversary so that we can do the best possible job in defending our organization against whatever attackers we happen to have. Well, what does that mean in practical terms? Let me answer this with my experience working on a team that for a while didn't have great sources of threat intelligence. Ask yourself this. What do you do when you have an alert that goes off that says someone just connected to a known malicious IP address? What is your next step and how much guidance do you have in that next step? That's one of the hallmarks in my mind of good versus bad CTI, one of many. In an ideal world, I think the answer would be for this scenario, you look up the information related to the IP that's in your threat intelligence platform and you find out why it was marked bad. Is there a group that had used that IP for a certain purpose Was there a known command and control server running on that IP address? If it was, what was the tool that was being used? Do you know the protocols associated and how you could positively identify if that's what's happening again? When was the activity seen? If you have these answers in a threat intelligence platform created from a CTI group, it's very fast and easy to verify whether it's a true or a false positive, and speed in alert triage is absolutely the name of the game for cyber defense teams, assuming it doesn't come at the cost of accuracy. Alternatively, If you don't have a great CTI function working in your organization, you might not have any information at all other than, hmm, well, this IP was on a list that we downloaded and it said it's bad. That's not very helpful. In my mind, that characterizes one of the differences between good and bad CTI, but that's just one kind of specific instance. Good CTI should help you not only react like this, telling you what to look for and improving your accuracy, but in a much bigger sense, it should tell you also how to prepare and the type of bad things that you should be ready to deal with. Ask yourself this, from the information you've received from your CTI sources or your CTI group, if you have one in-house, what actual actions have you taken and do you take on a regular basis from the data that they are giving you? Do you load those indicators into a list for matching? Yeah, probably. But how many times did they actually match and were they right? And after they match, how did they support figuring out what that data was related to? Are you actually able to use the work that they've done to more quickly solve the incident? Do you have profiles of the threat actors and groups that are the highest importance to your organization? And are you tracking them specifically? Not all groups are equally relevant to you, threat groups, that is. So in my mind, a great CTI group would say something like, hey, SOC, you should be paying attention to threat group A, B, and C. These are the tools and tactics they use. And here's how you can better prepare for them and detect them and get in their way if they do show up. That is what I would love to have from a CTI team. What about red teams? Red teams are much of the same discussion, but they approach helping us prepare in a much different way. While red teamers love hacking and being great at writing exploits, that's not really what their job is for. It's important they remember that everything they do is in service of the SOC and of the blue team, and that their job exists not to only test us, but to help us get better after those tests, not just become the best hackers on earth, which obviously is a really fun thing to do in the side, but we want them to use those skills to help us better defend the network. One of the ways I always approach questions about what do you want from X or Y is I like to describe what a great situation with that group or team is versus a terrible situation, what that would look like, and look for ways to objectively describe and maybe measure the difference in a way that can be looked at as metrics or something that can give us evidence that it is working or it is not working. So what does a good red team experience versus a bad red team situation look like? A bad red team experience in my mind might be something like having a bunch of people laughing at how bad the sock is and how you know that's so easy to get through your defenses every single time and they aren't helping you fix those problems between their different tests. Hopefully no one has a red team quite like that, but certainly I've heard stories about red teams that are maybe less than ideally helpful and are more about themselves and how great they are at being hackers and perhaps don't focus on the real part of the job, which is helping the security actually improve the problems that they've found. Conversely, if you have a red team where the tests are finding unknown gaps in your posture, they're reporting those gaps to you as a security team in a helpful and explanatory way, and they're helping you work through them patch them up, and then retest to make sure those problems aren't still there the next time around, they're probably doing a pretty good job. Much like the CTI team, I'd be looking to make some metrics around the outcomes of various tests that they've run. The outcomes of those tests should be something like, we found X amount of problems, And in this amount of time, we solved them, we retested, and those things were gone. And those are problems that relate to high potential issues that we would expect the threat groups to use against us. Again, red teams should be fed by the CTI group and use tactics and techniques from known priority threat actors that you would expect to actually encounter in your environment. This applies to purple team exercises as well. You should have and clearly document the output of any purple team tests you run. When you do a purple team test, the blue and the red team kind of sit together and usually, in my experience, will more atomically, should we say, go through individual test cases and say, does this work, does that work, does that work? And when you're doing those kind of exercises, it's the same thing. You should have evidence that the tests you're doing are high value tests, the outcome of those tests, And then the long term, how many of these tests are working over time? As a SOC, you'd like to see in purple team testing that you are objectively improving against the tests that are the most important as performed by your red team uh, doing the red side of that assessment. That's what I'd look to see from kind of a purple and red team. So that was a great question and allowed me to get into a whole bunch of detail. By the way, Cheerio is going to be a guest on season four of our podcast. So I'm just holding her to that. Shout out to Cheerio. Thank you for preemptively agreeing to be a guest in the future. She couldn't this time around because she was doing her PhD program. But I can't wait to interview you for the next season of Blueprint. Finally, our third question, CyberSecGal on Twitter asked the question, Skilled people are our best defense in cybersecurity. As such, how would you define security mindset? In my mind, a security mindset is both something you have to learn through training and then continually apply throughout every day of your life. I've heard this kind of thing referred to as the hacker mindset before. I don't know about anyone else, but as soon as I got into information security, I started seeing the world in a very, very different way. When I learned about the principles of confidentiality, integrity, availability, etc., and threat modeling and how that works... I now undoubtedly see the world through that lens, no matter if I'm trying to or not. Just a little bit of knowledge about how threat modeling and how attacks work can go an enormous way in changing how you see the things that you interact with every single day. I constantly find myself going through the world thinking about security problems. For example, anytime I get a ticket to an event or one of those bracelets that they clip on, anything of the sort, I'm immediately looking at it and thinking, does this keep people from copying it? Is this something I could just go buy a roll of 100 of at the store and walk my way into this event with 100 of my friends? How much of my personal data is on this ticket? What are the systems that they're using to scan it? Is there some way that someone could bring them down and block everyone from getting in? Is there some way to get in without the ticket? Can the ticket be reused? And all sorts of stuff like that. I'm not sure how exactly I would describe that, but it's just where my brain goes now, examining the world through the eyes of someone who might want to push the limits and see if there are proper guards in place to stop someone from doing so. Whether I intend to actually do any of those things or not, it's just an interesting thing to think about to me now. And I guess maybe that's how I would describe the security mindset, or at least a security person's brain. Plenty of coworkers and friends, I think, that I know think in the same way. And it's something that's representative in our industry. We see it at DEF CON. We see talks about it. And it's just something that naturally happens after a while, seeing these attacks day in and day out that leverage unexpected or unthought-of clever ways of abusing a system. As a person looking to get into information security or someone analyzing any problem in a security context, it's these generic principles of threat modeling that you need to be aware of and be able to apply and spot the evidence of an attacker using against you at any given moment. There are things like the STRIDE model that enumerate these types of problems. STRIDE stands for spoofing, tampering, repudiation, information disclosure, denial of service, and elevation of privilege. And these are the types of attacks that my mind always goes to like when I'm evaluating the ticket for an event or something like I just described. And I guess in my mind, although I've never really thought of it until you asked this question, a security mindset means constantly thinking about and applying those threat modeling concepts in your day-to-day life, hopefully for the betterment of society and securing the systems that we rely on for everything to work daily. Definitely a thought-provoking question. Thank you for that one, Gal. All right, that brings us to the end of this preseason episode. Thank you so much for checking out season three of Blueprint. Hope everyone out there is ready for a great set of interviews. We'll be releasing three episodes right from the start and launching into a 12 plus episode season. So don't forget to hit subscribe in your podcast app of choice if you haven't already. And for those of you who will be at the Sands Fire event, looking forward to seeing all of you in person for our very first live recording. Have a wonderful day and thank you for listening from everyone on the Blueprint team. We're really looking forward to season three and hope you are as well. Have a great one.